friendships, I feel like they don't feel like something that needs to be tended to a lot of the time. I think that like you have people that you're close with, you bond over certain things, you turn to each other in good times and bad, but you don't ever sit back and you, or I do not often sit back and think like, what do I need from them? What do I need? And also like, what do my friends really need from me? Welcome to Perennials, a podcast about growing up, getting wise, and trying to live a good life. I'm Victoria Russell. Today, I'm talking about friendship with someone I've been friends with since I was 11 years old, which is almost 20 years now. My friend Jessica Cradrell is a school psychologist in Wilmington, Delaware. She loves glitter, guacamole, and Gilmore Girls. Jess lives with her fiancé and their good friend, who have taken on the challenging role of keeping a bubbly extrovert sane during an isolating global pandemic. When Jess isn't helping teenagers figure out their futures, she enjoys bubble baths, positive Instagram posts, and social distancing or virtual hangs with her friends and family. I have been really lucky to have Jess in my life for so long. She is a super committed friend. As much as she loves to have a lot of friends because she's really extroverted, she's also really good at tending to her deep, close, one-on-one friendships. In today's episode, we talk a little bit about our journey from meeting in middle school all the way through going through high school, going to different colleges, but staying in touch, and then forming a, a really deeper friendship in early adulthood throughout our 20s. And we just talk about some of the milestones of our friendship, the way that those milestones reflect some really common experiences for people in friendship. Experiences like jealousy, FOMO, periods of great closeness, periods of more distance, what happens when you get into a romantic relationship or when you're going through a breakup, how the trappings of adulthood affect your friendships and vice versa. There will be a part two to this conversation where we talk more about making new friends, um, dealing with life changes, and reinvigorating friendships that may have uh, lost some vitality. So next week, come back here for part two with me and Jess. Jessica, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Victoria. Thanks for having me. I thought it could be fun to start with talking a little bit about our friendship trajectory because over the past almost 20 years, mm-hmm. there's like interesting different, I, I don't want to say ups and downs because I don't think we'll, we've had like major downs, but just kind of like, it's an interesting little journey. Yeah, I agree with you. I wouldn't call it ups and downs either, but times of like closer relation, like, I don't know. It's not like we became friends when we were 11 and we've had the same level of relationship for right for 19 years since then. And I feel like a lot of it kind of reflects very common things that happen in friendship. Mm -hmm. So we met, I guess the first time we met was probably in our sixth grade chorus class, Mm -hmm. technically. Like, I don't remember the moment, but we had that class together. Yeah. The only reason I remember you in that class is because you had a solo and you would practice it and I had a solo and I would practice it. And I remember feeling like your solo got more applause than mine. (laughs) You were singing Hopelessly Devoted to You and I was singing Castle on a Cloud. Um... (laughs) <laughs> and truthfully, we were both like 11 year olds singing. So probably neither one deserved nearly as much applause as our classmates gave us. But that's my first real memory of you. So but I wouldn't say we were friends yet. No, we were just aware of each other. Mm-hmm. And there was that simmering rivalry that I was not aware of. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> and then I think in sixth grade, 
maybe by the end of sixth grade, I, I was starting to become uh, good friends with your elementary school best friend mm-hmm. who I guess we won't name. Yeah, we can keep names. <laughs> All um, good, good vibes towards her though. Still. Yes. Like nothing weird. Yes. So, so we were starting to have this like common link. And I think probably through that, we maybe went to some birthday parties together and then we were chorus partners in seventh grade chorus, right? Mm-hmm. You have a better memory than I do. So yeah, am I getting no, this right? That's totally it. In seventh grade, we became chorus partners, which were randomly assigned. I mean, we were both sopranos. Were we sopranos? Yeah. Uh, I think we were altos. Are we altos? Yeah. I have no clue. I don't think I was ever a soprano in chorus. Okay, perfect. Then we were altos and we got randomly assigned and we were really excited about it. And I don't know if we had other classes together that year. But I feel like seventh grade was the year that we like became friends. And we did have like a little shared friend, maybe not like friend group at that point, but we, I feel like we spent time together among the mutual friends at that point as well. Mm-hmm. And I'm just curious from your perspective, since you had been very close with our mutual friend, um, were you annoyed by my presence at that point? <laughs> I have no memory of being like annoyed or jealous of your presence. I do remember like having to just as all, I mean, middle school is a terrible time. Right. But <laughs> having to like understand like the change in relationship I was having with that friend, which was, I mean, we, nothing bad happened. Like it was, it was a positive thing, but just the, um, what turned out to be a really strong theme of driving relationships in my life. Um, understanding that we have different friends in our lives for different purposes and there's room for many of us in each other's lives. Like that was something that I had to kind of start to understand. And I think you might've been part of that like symbolic journey for me, but there was never a time when I was like upset that you were friends with us. Yeah. I feel like it's only been more so throughout my twenties that I've seen that, oh, like you can be close with someone and then you can kind of lose touch for a little bit. And it actually doesn't mean that you'll never be friends again. Like there are some people that, you know, you do lose touch with and maybe you don't really um, have a close friendship again. But then there are other people where kind of like you're saying, there's like different friends for different purposes or different seasons. And it's like, not all hope is lost. If someone's in a season where they can't like give as much or they're for whatever reason, you're not quite as close. It's not always like all hope is lost that you will find your closeness again at some point in another stage of life. Oh yeah. And I I mean, I think that I certainly, and you, both of us, we've experienced that with some of like the high school friends that still remain in our lives. You know, we have one who might listen, I don't know, but she's traveled all around. So sometimes we go a really long time without seeing her. Um, And then we get back together when we're back in town or whatever. And it's, we pick up right where we left off, but we don't keep in constant communication throughout our daily lives. Um, but it doesn't matter, you know, and that's certainly something that we didn't, I did not know as a middle schooler. And I, it took a long time, you know, it's not like one day Victoria and we all became friends and I was like, Oh, I get it now. But that was my (laughs) first real experience understanding, um, how we don't just go through, at least my experience with friendship hasn't been like, we go through life with like, one best friend and that's a role and you're each other's best friends and like you don't need anybody else because that's just that's not the case or at least it hasn't been for me and it's so interesting because if you had asked me when I was 12 who will you still be friends with at 29 I probably would have thought that that mutual friend that we had that I was like super close with in middle school I would have thought like oh 
we're going to grow old together, you know? Um, same with me and that friend. So that's yeah. interesting. Meanwhile, neither you nor I are really like in, in consistent touch with her anymore, mm-hmm. but yeah, here we are. So that's interesting. I feel like in some ways, almost we had this kind of like slow burn thing where like over the years, we just like consist, even though we had other, we always kind of had like different friend groups and maybe different people that we would have said in, in middle school, high school, even like college, whatever. We're like, oh, this is my like best friend, but mm-hmm. we've all actually like, you are one of my long, like oldest, longest, consistent <laughs> friend now. In high school, we have so many friendships out of convenience, right? So like mm-hmm. if you sit next to somebody in Spanish class, like you're going to talk to them all year. And I had a lot of those and they, we were, I mean, we were real friends, you know, we bonded over whatever, but like you, you, so you and I just weren't like the closest or we didn't hang out the most. And yet like all of those friendships of convenience have kind of fallen away in adulthood. And like, there remains Victoria. <laughs> I think after high school, as we enter like early adulthood, we become, we start to understand more who we are separate from who we've been as we were just like brought up by our community, our friends, our family. And I mean, this is not to say that I've changed a lot since I was younger, but I I started to really understand like what I was looking for in a friend. And, you know, I, through changing or growing or ending friendships in high school and college, like, I don't know, I kind of figured out like, this sounds selfish because it's all from my perspective, but like what I need in friends. And then a subset of that is like what certain people in my life have been able, like what our relationship has given me and what I've been able to give to the relationships. And I think that you and I, I don't really, I mean, we, we share a lot of like similar views on the world. And I don't really mean like we could write down a list of like, Oh, like we both support this cause and that cause, like nothing like that. But I think that we're both like super reflective in some ways. I think that we both share a lot of thoughts with the ways that we want, like our friendships to go, our romantic relationships to go, our family relationships to go. Um, And I think that in high school, we didn't share a lot of classes and we didn't share a lot of hobbies together besides like choir. And so we just didn't seem to have much of that superficial stuff in common. And then when that all kind of fell away, we were like still able to stay in touch with each other and begin to grow the important stuff. Mm. Cause we really grew into our friendship post high school mm-hmm. and we both had really long winter breaks. And this is like a silly thing, but I really think that our friendship like sparked during some of those long winter breaks because everybody else would go back to college and you and I would still be in New Jersey for like, or in our hometown for like three more weeks. Um, and then you and I both came home every summer. So some of Mm -hmm. our friends would have internships elsewhere. Um, we would, you and I are really both close to our families and kind of, um, just, we were interested in coming home and, and doing whatever jobs and stuff locally. And I think that that really helped. And I was just thinking how I, I think a turning point was watching the bachelor every week together like which is so funny to think about I haven't watched that show in so long but for a period there it must have been what like eight years ago or something mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. particularly Sean Lowe Sean Lowe's season <laughs> if well, anyone you, wants to fact check <laughs> first of all that was a great season I, I don't watch oh, anymore I stand by it yeah second of all Sean Lowe's season began like the first week of January of our senior year when you and I still had six more weeks at home and I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure that like you came over and we watched it 
like in my childhood house every week because we could. Yeah. So we would like, and then because we were old now, not old, but you know what I mean? We would like have a glass of wine while we watched Mm -hmm. The Bachelor. And yeah, it was this ritual, this like shared ritual that we had. It got me thinking that there really is something to that. I'm reading a book right now called The Power of Ritual by Casper Turkile. I posted about it on Instagram recently, but there is something about showing up, just consistently sharing time together and like having shared ritual, even if it is something kind of silly, like the bachelor that over time, you just, I don't, you just, it's like showing up to the table for a meal over and over. You just grow that relationship and having that commitment to each other. And even like the fact that we both honored that commitment over and over, like we, there weren't many times that we missed it. I don't think, you know, like it was like, I'm committing to you, um, once a week. And then of course (laughs) we would like sit and talk about other things. And I also think shortly after that season, probably when we were both going through big breakups at the same time, that was like a very bonding experience as well. Yeah. I mean, that was probably a huge turning point in our friendship. Um, because I think that you and I shared, I mean, we shared the actual experience of going through these really significant breakups as college was ending, which is such a turning point in our lives. And we, we both shared a lot of similar like hopes in romantic relationships and fears of not being in them. And maybe like wondering if the breakups were the right choice and like worrying about what the future was going to have related to our work lives, our personal lives, our romantic lives. Um, and I really think that that was huge for us. I, and I mean, I, I mean, the breakups were, were significant in our lives just on their own, but, and we were friends, uh, in case anybody doesn't know, we've been friends for a long time. <laughs> I, there was nobody else doing, like going through all of those feelings and thoughts at the same time that I was besides mm-hmm. you. In, yeah. in my life, in the life, <laughs> there were a lot of people doing that. But. Right. I feel like there was a time when it was probably, maybe there was like a little more distance was then when I started dating my boyfriend, Martin, and you were single still for like a couple of, like you dated, but you weren't in a long-term relationship for a couple of years, right? Um, where there's probably like a little more distance and maybe like a little bit of sadness about that. Yeah, I certainly... In a whole different podcast, we can talk about romantic relationships, but I, <laughs> I definitely went through some, I mean, I, I was single for most of my, my like mid twenties. Um, and some of that was like great. And I loved my single life, but for some of it, I was single and sad about it. I call it my single and sad about it phase. Cause you know, of course you and all of our listeners to this podcast know like all the beautiful value of being single. Um, but sometimes it's lonely and sad. And I think that you got into your relationship with Martin right around the same time. One of my other good friends got into a relationship and, and it just happened to coincide with when I was single and sad about it. Um, and, and I think I was still, I mean, I still am trying to understand all the different ways, like we can hold different relationships in our hearts simultaneously, like friendships, family ships, romantic relationships. Um, and I just didn't, I was even less understanding of that back when you guys got together, I think. And of course you guys got together right when I went back to grad school. So there was also like, I think I felt a little bit like we weren't on the same page anymore. And also we were not physically together. So those two things made it hard. That's a pattern for me of like getting into a relationship. And then like, I, 
I have, I would, I mean, I would, I would say I have like an anxious avoidant attachment style in romantic relationships. Right. So like the anxious part of me means that I have historically like given a lot of my time and energy and attention to my relationship with my boyfriend and probably not maintained enough balance. Like I don't, I wouldn't say I completely would fall off the map, but um, certainly more so in the beginning too, like I would be less likely to go, you know, visit my friends out of state, like take a whole weekend to go drive to you in Delaware or drive to another friend in Connecticut and take a whole weekend to be with that friend. I think I did it a couple of times, but that's like, it's a sad thing. Like I don't, it's a sad thing for me to reflect on and it's definitely, I think gotten better. Like now that Martin and I've been together for over six years and I'm older, like, I don't, I try, I try to be like really aware of that, but I think that is something that affects friendships, you know? Yeah. I definitely, I feel like we can't all give the exact same amount to everything at the exact same time. Um, and I think it's really interesting to be able to reflect on like, well, times when I'm not a great friend, like what is going on in my life or like, what are the driving forces in that? Interestingly for me, I think I've had the opposite problem where like in my life, I've, I've put my romantic relationships on the back burner in order to um, like make sure that my friendships are really continuing. And, and I think one of the reasons might be because I spent so much time single or single and sad about it, single and happy about it. Either way, I've cultivated these beautiful friendships um, specifically, I mean, with you, but specifically with a few of my college friends who I lived with or super close to for a, for most of my, for all of my twenties. Um, you know, you never know for a while. I mean, I'm now engaged to Zach. So I, this is not speaking about him specifically, but you don't know how long a romantic relationship is going to last. So it took me a long time to prioritize my romantic relationships, even the one with Zach, especially the one with Zach, because he's the one that stuck around um, <laughs> over friend stuff. Because it's like, well, I don't want to give up this whole weekend when my friends are doing something super fun to hang out with this guy. If like, we're gonna break up next week, you know, and, and even now, the, now it's the pandemic. So everything's different. But um, that I'm super lucky to be with a guy who really understands this side of me, a partner who really understands the side of me. Um, but I need, I catch myself making sure, like needing to make sure that I am fostering my relationship with Zach and not prioritizing my friends more than I should more frequently than I should because of my worry that somebody won't laugh. Like if I'm, I guess like the driving force was if, if I can only have one thing, I'll choose my friends. It's not how I feel now, Zach. The thing about friendship is that your closest friends are like your chosen family. And that's great in some ways because you're choosing them. But the choosing part also means that you can choose to leave or to not be friends or to not be, not give it the same amount of attention or time or like whatever it may be. Friendship is like, supremely important to our well-being and yet maybe just because of the way our culture and society is like a, a lot of people tend to get more it's like harder to maintain friendships once they are in a season where perhaps they get married perhaps they have children or maybe they're moving for a job and it's kind of like understood that people will often make choices that lead them away from like community and friendships yeah yeah and and I'll tell you that 
is a big fear of mine. And I think like in experiencing it with my friends, but also in being somebody who would like Mm -hmm. leave friendships behind for career and um, family and romance. Um, And I think maybe that was like when you and I grew apart a little bit after you started dating Martin and I've seen this trend with me a little bit with some other friends, especially, I mean, what was that like five years ago, especially in my mid twenties where maybe almost as a protective factor, I became more distant to people because I didn't want them to start to become more distant to me. Absolutely. And, and on the flip side, interestingly, I think that one of the reasons that I did, I, I mean, I never had like trouble dating or finding relationships like I, but I would find good guys or they would find me or whatever. And like, I wouldn't be into it. And I think one of the reasons was that I didn't want to be somebody who like sacrificed friendships for my romantic relationships. Mm-hmm. And I didn't understand because that's what, especially in like people, a generation or two generations, generations above us, like that's kind of what I saw, you know, like my parents, when I was growing up, my parents didn't really spend time with friends that I could see. Um, my parents, if you're listening to this, you've been great role models, but certainly like when you, uh, what I was seeing was like, my parents became friends with the parents of my friends, Mm -hmm. you know, now just to, you know, make it a happy circle at this very moment, my parents are doing a a movie screening with some of their friends virtually through like one of those watch parties. Um, And so it's been really cool to see them reopen independent friendships in their, in my college and post-college world. And it will be interesting to see. So I have, I have a lot of friends in a different, in a lot of different pockets of my life. Um, And I think that one of the reasons I've been able to maintain that has been because we live in a world with so much technology and so much social media. And, you know, like I can text a friend just a meme that I thought they'd like, or like a little thinking of you text. And like that maintains the relationship in a way that like my parents, my parents, my dad grew up in Pennsylvania, my mom in Ohio, they met in Ohio, they moved to New Jersey. Like it's hard to maintain friendships from a distance when like we just have phones and for a while, maybe like long distance calling cost more, you know, now I'm hoping for the sake of my own, like understanding of who I am and what my life will be. I'm hoping that I can maintain friendships throughout the different seasons of my life in a way that was just harder before. Yeah. I do think there is more opportunity. Like even right now we're recording this during a pandemic. And in some ways, what's interesting is like you and I are seeing each other even more than we have um, in terms of consistency, like over the past few years, because a couple of months ago, we decided to start doing a virtual game night on Tuesday nights. Um, Me and my boyfriend, Martin, and you and your fiance, Zach, who I just, I'm, when this comes out, he will probably have been the, the most recent previous guest, <laughs> Zachary Cooks. Oh. Oh, um, but we decided to do a weekly game night. And I, it's so interesting just because like so much of friendship, when I think about kind of how it compares to like dating and relationships is like, it's easy to fall in love with people. But to actually like maintain a relationship, so much of it just has to do with like time and proximity. Like, and there are the friends that you can like not see for a long time and you get together and you're like, oh, like we love each other and, you know, we, we still have a good time. But like 
But then at the same time, we all know those friendships where like you don't tend them and they kind of start to lose their vitality. And so much of it is just like consistently showing up for each other, even in times when maybe you aren't feeling it as much anymore, like you're having a bad day or, or you're starting to like, see the more you get to know people, you're like, oh, they're not perfect. You know, I feel like you and I know each other really well, but I feel like with new friends, there can actually be like a honeymoon stage and then like coming down from it mm-hmm. and like maintaining friendships. Like so much of it just has to do with like time and proximity, even if you can't physically be together, like virtually sharing space too. Oh yeah. I mean, I think I, I think that the pandemic, like this would be a different conversation maybe for us if we were not experiencing the pandemic, just because like you and I have been able to maintain a really beautiful, I mean, we've always been able to maintain a beautiful relationship, but yeah, the fact that we see each other virtually once a week, I think has been huge for us. Like I know more about what's going on in your life now than I typically do just because not that there's anything specific going on, but we just don't, you and I didn't used to catch up for like two hours once a week. Mm-hmm. And now, and now we do where I have a weekly book club with some of my college friends. And there are some of them who I see maybe in person or before the pandemic, I would see like three times a year. Um, and now that we're seeing each other every week, we've just become so much closer as this little group. And I think that that is something, you know, I like to imagine some positives we can take out of this pandemic time. And certainly I feel like one of them has been as adults, as we enter into various phases where maybe our friendships are a little bit harder to maintain or our friendships go on the back burner more, we've come up with a whole slew of new ways to stay in touch um, that we didn't, we just didn't know about before. I definitely grew up in a super introverted family. And I think I grew up kind of internalizing that message of like, well, the one person that is forever is like your, your romantic partner, like your or your spouse eventually or whatever. So like I'm putting my eggs in that forever basket because I saw how friendships can like come and go and you don't like quote unquote owe each other in the same way that you do family. And I, I that's like very faulty thinking, by the way, I'm just, you know, <laughs> I'm just analyzing it a little bit. So I'm curious, like, since you didn't, you didn't necessarily like have that modeling for you growing up, where did you see the modeling for that? Or like, where did that impulse come from to just like water your friendships and tend them and like be so committed to friendship? That's a great question. I, I think it started in college. I had really great friends in high school and, and friendships were super important to me. I was really in, you know, I was really active in various extracurriculars and hobbies. Um, I think in college, I felt a little bit lost at first because I didn't have my family around. I went to school two hours away in Delaware. So it's not like it was really far, but for the first time, like I didn't have my family around. Um, I went, I entered into a long distance relationship, a long distance relationship with my high school boyfriend. So he was, we were still connected, but he wasn't local. And I think that I being somebody who's so extroverted, like needed a community. Um, I had some falling outs with friends freshman year. So then I just had one very close friend and we, she and I basically lived together from sophomore year until this past summer. So for like 10 years, we lived together or within five minutes of each other. Um, so I, I couldn't say 
this is going to sound like a little bit narcissistic and I don't mean it to, but I haven't really ever seen an example of friendships the way that I have them. You know, like I think it, or I mean, I have seen examples in TV shows or other people, but there was nothing that I was looking at when I was, you know, 19, 20, 21, 27, that was like, oh, I want to have something like that. I think it was just family wasn't there. The people I knew were not there. And so I started to find people who could fill some of those roles for me. Yeah. And you really did build a pretty incredible like community of friends. Like it's not just that you guys are close, but you and your, your like two friends in particular that you met in college and that you were roommates with after college for several years, like you guys are so there's like a sense of commitment and a sense of intentionality that you have in terms of like activities that you do together. And, um, but what's interesting to me is I remember you and I kind of connecting even before college, over both having like a jealous streak kind of, but again, mine, I mean, mine definitely before I entered into any romantic relationships, I definitely saw it. I could see it in like friendships, like particularly when, you know, my best friend got a boyfriend for the first time, like I was jealous, but then like, again, for me, it became more focused in my romantic relationships, like struggling with jealousy and but I, so I think even before college, you and I would kind of, kind of had this shared like sense of sometimes a little bit of insecurity in relationships and like really valuing them and having like that FOMO and not wanting to be, which like no one wants to be left out. But I feel like you and I both have that like streak. I don't know. So I'm just here. I'm curious to hear any reflections you might have on that and how, how you and your two friends in particular that you're like super, super duper close with have navigated potentially like jealousy or FOMO because like we talked about, like sometimes you're not always on the same page, even though you guys are very, very close. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I'll tell you what's really interesting. So I, I really struggle with, with FOMO, um, in, in a lot of different friendships of mine, but I, I definitely have somewhere in my in my personality, it's ingrained in me. The, the idea of like, if I'm not like with people, like if I don't go to something, they will like me less or like, they will not invite me the next time. Um, it's something that I know isn't true in the way that I feel it. And it's something that I've been working on and like COVID has really given a whole new perspective on, but I actually, for like a few months, maybe like six months before the pandemic hit, I was like, I had found a therapist that I really liked and I was like talking primarily about this because it was just like, it's like the opposite type of social anxiety that you expect from people. Like, it's not that I, I wanted to be around everyone so badly and I didn't know how to like be okay when I wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, I used to attribute that to some fallings out I had with some, some of the people on my freshman floor who I thought were my like close friends and then they changed their mind. But it's interesting, like I really hadn't thought about what it was like when, when my elementary school best friend started becoming friends with you, but, and I'm not saying that that experience like planted a deep dark seed that has driven all my friendships in life at all. But you're right, like in, in high school, like there, there is a feeling, especially when a friend would get 
a partner, or I guess, I don't know if you can call them partners, <laughs> yeah. but um, <laughs> um, enter into a new romantic relationship. And, and that is something I have felt as we've talked about, not just with you, but with other friends when they've entered into new relationships in my twenties, um, just a fear that I will be, or when they have other friends, like if they're doing stuff with other friends, like I need to like talk down the voice inside me that says like, but what if they don't like me as much? Like, mm-hmm. what if they like these other people better? Um, and I think that like, for me, what has calmed that like kind of anxiety or worry is just like the fact that I've built such good relationships. And I don't just mean with these two college friends, with all of them, with my, you know, Zach and I live with one of my other very good close college friends. So with her, with you, with, you know, just the idea of like, we get to choose who's in our life. And if people are continuing to choose me as they are, then like, I am important to them like they are important to me. Mm -hmm. And I think that I'm being, you know, now I'm 30, but being an adult gives me like the prefrontal cortex kinds of um, executive functioning abilities to navigate that and believe it. I mean, sometimes it takes a while, but you know, we're so impulsive and we're so indecisive and we're such a hot mess when we're in our um, teenage and early, early adult years um, that now I feel like I can trust that way more than I could back then. Mm. And then I guess when it comes to making new friends, because a lot of this FOMO fear really stems from maybe some of my like um, work friendships, um, just because those, you know, I, I've been working at the same job now for five years, but for the first couple of years, like, and of course people come and go. So I'm constantly entering into new friendships with my coworkers. And, and sometimes those don't feel as stable at first, but same kind of thing. Like people, I've never experienced somebody not inviting me to stuff anymore because they don't like me, you know, mm-hmm. or at least I've never experienced that with somebody who I consider a friend mm-hmm. in my adult life. So I, I just need to, I like fall back on the, like I lean back on the, well, like this fear is something that you've never actually experienced in, in the way that would be hurtful. Of course I make friends. And then we ultimately don't really want to be close friends. We all do that when we meet new people at work or at the gym. I've never made a friend at the gym. I don't know. I was gonna say <laughs> You know what I mean? Like yes. not every person we're friendly with becomes our friend, but there's never been a time in my adult life where like, I've really, really wanted to be friends with somebody and they just haven't been interested in my childhood teenage college years absolutely and yeah. that happens to all of us but I think now a lot of that FOMO like I just need to fall back on the idea of like people still want to be friends with you they still want to hang out with you even if they didn't invite you to this thing right and I do think just time helps with that like seeing and even being able being able to see okay I've gone through different phases with different friends And that's okay. And I can have some patience and trust and like, it's still, it still can be sad and painful. Um, I do think it is difficult, particularly when, you know, like someone is single and their friends are in relationships or even like when more people are starting to get married and maybe have babies and you're not like you're in different life phases Um, that can be difficult and it is so vulnerable to like want to commit yourself to friendship and not know whether like they'll keep choosing you or if they're going to move away or something like it is a really vulnerable thing and I feel like something you and I kind of experienced with breakups was like 
going through a breakup and then being like really extra close with friends during that time. And in some ways, like I look at that as this very like sacred time with my friends, with you too. Like we would like sleep in the same bed, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> um, there were a lot of friends that I was like, had really, really, I don't know. I just turned to during that time. And yeah, there were multiple friends that I would have sleepovers with and literally sleep in the same bed because it was like, we have each other. I think that speaks a lot to the idea of figuring out like, what is it that we need? Like in the seasons of our lives, what do we need and how do we get it? You know, and sometimes I know that really, really well. And sometimes I have no clue, you know, um, my two close college friends and I do at the start of every year, we have a night we call reflections and goals, which I think is what you were, you were in referring to where we, talk about we, we reflect on the last year we talk about goals for the new year we also have a jar and throughout the year we write down memories or things that happen in the jar and we read through them um anyway we all ask we all write questions down and we read them and then we answer them reflecting on the past year and looking at, at goals and um one of the questions that one of my friends put in the jar to think about the future was like what kind of support do you need from us this year so we all kind of talked about what we need and it's not often, I think, that we really reflect on like what we need from our friends because friendships, I feel like they don't feel like something that needs to be tended to a lot of the time. I think that like you have people that you're close with, you bond over certain things, you turn to each other in good times and bad, but you don't ever sit back and you, or I do not often sit back and think like, What do I need from them? And what you need from your friends can be different depending on the friend. Obviously also depending on the season. And we were specifically thinking about entering into 2021 with all this hope for a vaccine and spending time sharing airspace again, but we were, or more often, and we were also, but you're also thinking about like, what do I need just professionally on a Tuesday in March when I'm having a bad day? I just don't, and this is coming from me who of course has a lot of really close friendships that I prioritize among beyond a lot of things, but I don't often sit back and think like, what do I not, what do I need? And also like, what do my friends really need from me? Yeah. And I think you just named something really important, which is like explicit communication and agreements. Something I've noticed that my, my therapist does is say I am talking to her and I'm like, you know, my boyfriend and I are running into this conflict like over and over and I need help thinking about it. And she'll, she'll first ask, like, do you have an agreement about this topic? Like maybe it's about COVID like, oh, we're, we keep butting heads about something, whether it's safe. And she'll ask, like, do you have an agreement? And I think we have very romantic ideas, not just about our one-on-one like romantic partnerships, but even with friends that like, we should all read each other's minds and like, just know, and you shouldn't have to say certain things and you don't want to have to tell people. I think that's something more so when I was younger that my mind would go there. Like, I don't want to have to like tell someone. And as you grow up, I think it's like the power of an explicit agreement (laughs) And so the fact that your friend actually asked, like, what support do you need from me? Or let's all talk about what support we could use from each other is like 
it's not romantic. It's not like sexy <laughs> to, um, to explicitly talk about those things sometimes, but it's so helpful. Like it's so helpful removing the notion that people should just know, just intuit, just, you know, all of that, being able to actually have a conversation about here's what I need. Like, what do you need is, yeah, it's like so important. And I don't think that we think about that enough in our friendships Yeah, um, because I mean, I think that when we think about romantic relationships, you think like, oh, this takes work. Oh, you, everybody has mm-hmm. different communication styles and conflict, conflict styles and such. And of course, with some of your friendships, you don't need that. Like I have great friendships with people who, but, um, who are there for more superficial types of things. And they're super important, but we don't need to get, you know, the nitty gritty of like, what do we really need from each other? Um, but then there are, there are other ones like, like what I have with you, like what I have with my friends from college, um, where like, I, like they are, you, the, these friendships are so important to who I am as a person at this point that like, we really, it, it's worth taking the time to cultivate them and to grow them and to really like understand them. Um, one of the things in, in the memory jar that came up for me was, I think, I guess back in June, you and I recommitted to our friendship. It was, a, I think it was just in a series of text messages when we, when we were like, we're going to call each other more mm-hmm. um, because you and I go through phases where like we call each other a ton and then phases where we don't talk as much. And then phases where like, we have like a five day period of voicemails back and forth trying to connect. <laughs> yeah. um, but like, I even think something as simple as that is like a really nice direct way of saying like, Hey, because I think in friendships, we don't acknowledge explicitly, like you said, like what's going on or what we need. And and both of us were on the same page of like, we need to talk more. Like we need to support each other more. Like, I don't know what, what was happening the day that we did that. Um, apparently it was meaningful enough for me to put it in the jar, which is really beautiful. But I think that that is so important in every kind of relationship we have that's valuable and that like we want to help support us mutually like as we go on our journey thank you so much for listening to the perennials podcast i'm victoria russell and you can join me here next week for part two of my conversation with jessica cradle in the meantime if you enjoyed the episode please share it with a friend leave a review on apple podcasts follow along on Instagram at perennials podcast and shoot me an email at perennialspodcast at gmail.com if there's anything that you want to share with me. The song you're hearing now is I Orbit a Moon by Paul Finn.